your own beer it's time for just brew it brought to you by niagara tradition homebrew here's your host jeremy white and bert deister good saturday morning welcome to niagara traditions just brew it here on espn 1520 jeremy white with bert deister on uh, today's show we can get you ready for a few things coming up a couple weeks still two weeks away right for the National Homebrew Day celebration, which Gotta is going to be the big celebration, the beginning brewing class, which tickets should be on uh, online now. And um, we'll have the tasting and demos afterwards, too. So if you're a beginning brewer, you might want to sign up for that class. If you've been brewing for a while, you might want to come hang out for the demo and watch us brew some beer and try some beer. And so we'll have at least three on tap. We're going to have a New England style IPA, we're going to have a Belgian wit beer, and we're going to have a English brown porter, yeah. all of which that we brewed, and we can give you the recipes, and you can uh, ask us any questions about them. So tasting and all-grain brewing demo at one thirty, Mm-hmm. And... The beginning brewing class will be at 11 a.m. Okay. And you need tickets to sign up online for that. And those are free. Yep. It's just a limited number of spots. You got it. So if you want to be a part of it... For the just... beginning brewing class, you have to pay for Okay. The, that... the demo... It's free. It's free. Okay, nthomebrew.com for information there, and also sign up for uh, the newsletter so you can get the email about tickets and stuff like that. It's nthomebrew.com. So that's for May 6th, National Homebrew Day celebration. Uh, The deadline for the Upstate New York Homebrewers Association competition is a week from yesterday, a week from today. I'm doing the math here. When is it? It's Wednesday. Jeez, I don't even know what date it is. It's Wednesday, the 26th, so you don't have much time to get that in. Yeah, so get them in fast if you have them. We already got a big stack. Okay. I think probably our biggest stack ever for Uniha. So it looks like they're getting a couple good. more entries from Western New York. So Very let's good. flood them. Galaxy hops going, going, but not gone? Not gone yet. We're still getting a steady supply trickling in. So if you're looking for some Galaxy hops, we're still holding on the limit of two ounces per customer. Frankly, because what we'll get in a week could be cleared out by most single customers. Um, but we have them in stock, and if you're looking to grab some, come in and get them. We also have the Eldorado Hop Passion. We've been talking about too. that for a couple of weeks, but should we be saying more about it? Have you, are you getting a lot of reaction to it? We Is, are getting a lot of you know good reaction. So we've we brewed. People with are inquisitive. It. Yep, they're the curious. New England, the New England style IPA that we did for the uh, National Homebrew Day is going to have some of that hop hash in there um, as well. Um, so we've tried it out, but lots of great smells on it. Very intense. Um, not as much cloudiness we notice when adding it in for the dry hop. So we don't know if that's a, a thing yet, but we certainly notice maybe you're adding less overall plant matter. But um, yeah, no, smells great, looks great, tastes great so far. Yeah. So. People are jumping on to it. Will other hops start doing this, you think? You think this is going to be a see, standard? We're going to see some other ones. There's there's apparently some Idaho 7 out there that we can't get our hands on yet. Um, and then there's, uh, I know some that are going to be coming out from hop or from YCH as well later in the summer. So they're going to have their cryo hops, which are a little bit different extraction method. Mm-hmm. And so people are really excited about all of them. Um, so we're going to get in whatever we can get our hands on. So being, you know, first year process for a lot of these products the availability has been on and off 
um, with obviously something like the cryo hops. We haven't had any availability yet, um, but we can guarantee you as soon as there is, we'll get them in. And sometime probably starting in late summer, expect to see commercial breweries starting to use these products as well because they're starting to get them available just as home brewers are. But it's going to take them a little while, just like a home brewer, to pilot recipes, kind of see how they affect their beer, see the best way to showcase these new products, and then get you a beer out onto the shelves. So maybe by fall. But if you really want to know what they're like now, you better start homebrewing. Yeah. All right. So uh, quickly, as we change seasons to last week, we talked lawnmowers versus session beers. How about summer draft and brewing supplies? We got everything you're going to need. And so we have everything for draft, whether you're doing homebrew or commercial, if you want to, you know, serve beer off a pump, off a CO2 system out of a, you know, uh, small uh, bucket. If you want to convert a refrigerator into a home draft system, whether you want, you know, drip trays, whether you want a tower, you want a fridge faucet, if you want to go simple with picnic faucet, we have you covered with options for all that. And we can help you get them installed as well as we have some kegerators, not for sale, but for our personal use at the stop. And so if you want to check out how we built ours, you can check that out as well. All right. So very good. All you need, all you could possibly need. All right. So today's show, we're going to get to, what, convenience, trying to make your life a little bit easier for the yeah, most part? Yeah, I guess so. That, I mean, and because we would have to start this, you know, making bottle washing a little bit easier with the easiest way to take care of bottle washing is to buy a kegging system. Yes. Um, which, if you'll you know, hear a lot of experienced home brewers kind of push new brewers always towards buying a kegging system, it's because we know that you're going to continue the hobby if you have the kegging system. If yep. you leave the fun parts and take out the unfun parts, um, there's you know, you're much more likely to continue. But if you have decided that you're glutton for punishment and you're really going to continue this bottling thing, I guess we can help you out and make it a little bit easier. Um, the first thing that we can probably tell you that is going to make life a lot easier, but it's really hard to commit yourself to, is at the end of the night when you're done drinking beers, go rinse them out with hot water immediately. Keep your you know, bottle washer, if you have one, attached to a sink in the basement, um, or just go to the sink upstairs and at least rinse out any crud, any beer stone, any sediment that's left in the bottom of the bottle. The more you can do to prevent stuff from precipitating onto the bottle or, you know, just caking onto the bottom, um, the easier it's going to be to keep the bottles clean and the less scrubbing, the less work you're going to have to do all the way down the line um, to get them ready to bottle. All right, so one thing you can't really skip is the soak in a calcium-based you know, based cleaner, so mm-hmm. the B-Bright PBW. Um, having a slop sink in the basement or even having an independent slop sink just for brewing, you know, hooked up to a floor drain, filled up with a like garden hose attachment, um, is going to be a lot easier than, say, doing the kitchen sink or bathtub. Uh, for the longest while before I had a basement slop sink, I would just use a large Tupperware tote. I'd put it up on the counter. I would put all my racking stuff, all my bottles in there and be bright. And then when I was um, done with my soak, I would use my racking tube to drain that all into the sink. It was a pain in the butt. I had to fill up pitchers of hot water and dump them into this tote. But you liked Um, it better than the bathtub and better than the kitchen sink because you're tying up. Yeah. Relatively important parts of your house. My kitchen sink is usually pretty tied up already, whether it's with like, you know, like something soaking in there as far as defrosting, clean like pots and pans sitting there drip drying. My sink is pretty much always tied up and it's not that big enough to hold more than probably two dozen bottles anyways. So I would have to do two to three loads in the sink and I would have to feel the need to clean out my sink to put my bottles in there. 
So based on that note, we won't even go to the bathtub. Mm-hmm. It's more water than I need. Uh, you know, it's a enamel-coated uh, cast iron, and um, it's going to break a lot of bottles. I'm going to have to clean the bathtub to a degree that I would never clean it otherwise. So let's just skip out on the bathtub. However, if these are your only places, go yep. for it. Yep. However, if you can get that big tubware tote and put it into the bathtub, that's not bad. That's going to make life a lot easier. You can drill and salt spigot onto it if you want, um, but that's going to make life a lot easier as far as soaking the bottles. I do like to try to soak them all in one big load. And that, those big totes are relatively cheap. Like you can get one for 15, five bucks, twenty bucks. Yeah, okay, I think, I was, I, yeah, no, I. Yeah. I yeah, I've, I've, I've broken them. I've, I've ended up using my bottle washing one for storing other stuff. Um, and I, they're five bucks usually at, uh, you know, your local, uh, you know, big box store, or even dollar store if you're in a pinch. Um, and, yeah, five dollars for one of those things. So it okay. makes life a lot easier. Um, and then the brushing. Now, I'm not going to say that I brush every single one of my beer bottles. It is one of the most tedious parts of the bottle cleaning. But I can tell you that. Any book or any industry standard or you know, anything is going to tell you you should be giving them some sort of light abrasive clean every single time. Now, for them, some people, that is let it fill a third of the way with the cleaner and shake the living daylights out of it. Um, but if you mount your brush to something, whether you mount the, you know, the brush to the side of a sink or the side of your new Tupperware tote so it's got a nice firm base to it, um, or if you mount it into a drill or buy one of the ones that's already meant to be mounted into a drill, having kind of a firm base and something to spin it on is going to make a life a lot easier. So if you can mount your brush to either the side of your Tupperware bin, sink, into a board, if you can mount it to a drill, um, or buy a drill-based cleaner, it's going to make that process a lot quicker. And that's probably the longest point. So if I let them soak for half an hour, now I have to brush these all out. That's going to take me um, 45 minutes, usually. So if you can speed that time up, Mm -hmm. you're really saving yourself a little bit. If you can cut that down to even like 15, 20 minutes, because if you're doing this every two weeks, every month, that time's going to add up. A lot of gadgets, you know, available for bottle washing. It seems like any, like a Anytime you have some inevitable, you know, task you don't want to do, cleaning gutters, you know, cleaning your, you know, sink trap, you know, vacuuming, floor cleaning, there's going to be a lot of gadgets that are going to be trying to save you a lot of time. And we carry a lot of gadgets. And so what we're going to try to do now is highlight the ones that will actually save you some time. How far are we away from lasers doing all the work for us, you know? Oh, that would be nice. (laughs) A robotic bottle cleaning line. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think if, if I if I could have a robot in the house, I would trust it if it only cleaned bottles. You just set it up down in the basement sink. I'll just keep giving it bottles. It just keeps producing me clean ones. I'm not going <laughs> to trust it to bottle the beer, but I'll trust it to clean the bottles. Um, but an Avenator bottle rinser. Um, this thing saves you a lot of time. It saves you a lot of water, and it saves you a lot of sanitizer solution. I think we've talked about this once or twice before. It's a little uh, dish, and it has a piston-style you know, pump that you put the bottle on top of. And so instead of filling up a whole sink with sanitizer or a spray bottle or a bottling bucket and then filling each bottle like individually, um, you can take the bottles, put them on top of the pump setup, push down twice, spray sanitizer inside the bottle. Um, and that way you don't have, again, a sink full of sanitizer solution. You don't have to, you know, fill each one with a bottling bucket. You can just move on. If you don't want to buy a Venator, filling it with the bottling bucket is going to be your next best option. Put two gallons inside a bottling bucket, go to the spigot or go to the bottle filler, fill it up a third of the way, shake it, and dump it back into the bottle. Now, if you have the Venator, that process is going to take you probably about 15 minutes to do all 55 bottles to do that. Not too bad. Yep. 
The next thing that if you're going to consider bottling, you absolutely need to have is the jet bottle washer. Uh, you want the copper one. It's only 15 bucks. Um, it's really easy to use. You just hook it up to your sink, turn on the hot water, and it just has a poppet valve in it. When you push down the bottle, it sprays the hot water back up into the bottle and rinses it from the back out. So not only is this going to save you a lot of water, but the filling it up and shaking it out three or four times really could spend an hour there. Again, with the, like the vinegar, you know, and the jet bottle washer, you're getting these all sanitized and rinsed within 15 minutes compared to the filling it up halfway, shaking it, dumping it, and repeating that three times for each bottle. Not only do you use a lot of water, but you're wasting a lot of time standing there doing it. Um, this is the absolute vein of anybody bottling. And if you haven't discovered these products yet, because you haven't turned to the internet or you haven't seen a home brewing catalog anywhere, um, grab them. We have them cheap. For under $30, you can come in and really make your bottling set up a lot quicker. And if you're trying to save some of the mess, look at a bottle tree or a fast rack. Uh, I have a bottle tree because none of my bottles are the same size, so they don't really fit well on the fast rack. If you've purchased all your bottles or you have all 22s or 12s, you can go ahead and grab a fast rack. You can stack empty bottles facing down up on top of each other or with the bottle tree. Um, you have a bunch of pegs around a center post with a big wide base and you just put the bottles there and you let them drain out. Now you're not really doing this to let them drain out for any good reason. You're doing it because it kind of keeps track of them. So you don't have beer dominoes. You don't have a whole table filled with cleaned and sanitized beer bottles, one wrong move, and you send them all knocking over. Not only do you have to re-sanitize some, but you're probably gonna have to clean some from all the ones you break when you send them flying all over the kitchen. Mm-hmm. All right. So bottle washing solved. Yeah, solved, but I've been kind of adding it up as we go down here. Even to say you had some help, you had to clean 55 bottles, and you had all the gadgets, you're still spending an hour and a half in the basement. Yeah. Um, kegging, I can be drinking my beer within half an hour. You know, I fill up the keg, I put sanitizer in there, I shake it for a bit, I hit it with one big brush, I dump it, same thing with sanitizer, dump it, rinse it, rack, chill it. If I want to chill it immediately, put it on some ice, shake the CO2 into it at 12 pounds of pressure, and I'm drinking my beer. Mm -hmm. So before you've moved on to sanitizing your bottles, we haven't really talked really much about filling or priming either. Right. You know, so, okay, so we've gotten an hour and a half to two hours just to clean the bottles. Now you have to fill them. So I'm already two hours into drinking my draft beer Is it? Um, is it when you are you cleaning the day that you're bottling, or is it? I'm doing all this today that okay. I'm bottling. You do you believe it's possible? Sometimes I'll clean ahead of time if I can put them onto a rack so they're not going to collect any dust. That's what I'll I was going to say. Give them a rinse to wet the surface, and I'll rehit them with the sanitizer the next day. That's what I was going to say. You oh, so you re-sanitize them, so you would not let a bottle sit out for too long at all. I can't clean them today, and then. I'm going to rack or I'm going to, I'm going to fill the bottles next as long as Thursday. You can keep the dust off them. Okay. Yeah, but it's always very important I think to sanitize them right before at least in our you know standard conditions. Again, these are sitting in my basement. It's not too great on the humidity control down there. Um, so I want to get a clean surface before I put them away so that nothing grows on them. I want them facing down so that no dust gets in there. 
um, and hopefully no air moves up into there. And then right before I use them, I do want to sanitize them um, and then give them a rinse with the sanitizer as well. I've, I'm not too great about measuring my star sand. I'm probably always measuring a little bit over. I never give it fully the time it needs to drip dry. So I always give them a quick rinse and always trust my home uh, hot water line as sanitary because it's getting pasteurized in the tank and it's getting pasteurized in the lines every time I use the faucet. Now, I was going to say one thing you could do is get a big, you talked about that big tub to clean the bottles. What if I'm cleaned and I clean out the, the tub? Can I store them in there, put a cover over it, right? You can. You can. And um, my father does this. I know a lot of other people that do this. Um, it, when you're mixing star sand with tap water, it tends to you know attract and precipitate any bicarbonates out of the water. So you, you're going to end up with a film that you might have trouble rinsing off with the star sand. If you're reusing star sand water or using distilled or pre-boiled water um, or maybe RO, you're going to get less precipitate and you just need to maintain um, the right pH. You can use bleach for this as well, although you're really going to want to put on some gloves when you go to get the bottles out of the bleach water because you're going to be reaching in there 55 times mm -hmm. um, and it can be really harsh on your hands and you know your health in general. Um, but it's, if you keep it covered, the bleach should not evaporate out and you should be able to do that. So you could bulk sanitize the bottles and rinse them right before. But the danger with the bleach, same with the star sand, is that you come back to these bottles that have been sitting in the basement for months in bleach water or star sand water. You open it up. You've lost your you know, sanitizing ability, whether all the chlorines evaporated out or all of the uh, acid in the star sand has precipitated out. And so you now have a septic solution or and possibly precipitate on your bottles. So you have to re-clean them, hit them with citric acid or bicarbonate if it's a precipitate from the star sand to get a precipitate that's formed over time. If you leave those precipitates on, not only do they end up being a source to kind of shield bacteria and fungus from your sanitizers later on, they also act as a bubble nucleation point and can force CO2 out of the liquid once you're bottled. So basically those bottles could end up being gushers, whether they're sour or whether it's just from not allowing the beer to hold the CO2. Um, so you might want to brush those ones out right. and clean them again. All right. You make that mistake sanitizing. Again, it's 15 minutes. I've covered my mistake. I've hit it with a cleaner, and I'm ready to, to keg. Let's get a break in. We're already more than halfway through our show here. When we get back, you want to talk about how to motorize a grain mill and what that can do for you, also turning kegs into brew pots. It's all on the way as we continue here on Niagara Traditions of Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It, here on ESPN 1520. All of our episodes are on demand at the ESPN website, ESPN 1520, or WGR's Audio Vault as well. Last week we talked uh, lawnmowers 
and session beers. And we started the show talking about bottle washing, how to make it easier. Up next is uh, what to look for in a grain mill and actually how you can motorize a grain mill. Yeah. So it's, we get into summer here and we start outdoor brewing. Home brewers are willing to make a little bit more of a mess. So we're tending to look towards all grain brewing and we're looking towards maybe crushing our own grain. Because when you start crushing your own grain, you can buy sacks and 55-pound sacks. And if you don't get to it right away, you don't have to worry about that. And we also crush 55-pound sacks of grains. So if you wanted to buy a sack, um, it's going to be $10 or $8 depending on the sack. We'll crush it up, zip tie it back into the sack for you and tell you when it's ready to pick it up. So you can get your grain pre-crushed now. And even Breathe put out numbers that they said that your average sack of grace, base grain stored fairly well. And they described it as <clears throat> trying to reseal the sack best you can or putting it into a Tupperware container should last for about a year to a year and a half in most conditions. So if you wanted to pre-crush your grain, we can do it for you. But if not, you're going to need a grain mill. And chances are one that you have for making tortillas or something like that might hook up to your KitchenAid mixture is really not going to cut it when you're doing 15 pounds of grain for a big IPA. So now you need to invest in a brewery style grain mill. And there's going to be two general styles that you see out there, plate mills versus roller mills. Um, and generally, I think there's a lot of people online pointing you towards the roller mills are the best, they're designed for home brewing, go with the roller mill. Um, and I would say that is not as simple as that. We actually use, and we know a lot of people that really like the crush off our mill and can't seem to get the same efficiency with the roller mill off of one of the plate mills. Um, the plate mills have an auger that pushes the grain towards the gap and pushes it out through the gap, which means it doesn't rely on the mill itself or the mill wheel, in the case of a roller mill, pulling the grain in. So there's an actual pressure, and you can really put a fine gap. Now, the other thing about a a plate mill is there's no jagged teeth so it tends not to create a lot of flour out of the bran it tends to pulverize the living daylights out of your grain but it doesn't tend to make the bad tannic flowers that you're worried about which sometimes if you have a bad setting on your roller mill you can get um, so why doesn't everybody immediately go for a plate mill they're cheaper uh, they're more readily available they're a lot more um, dual purpose. If you did want to make your own flour or your own like grits or something like that, you would definitely want to use a plate mill. Um, it's because they're very messy and they're a little bit harder to motorize. So if you're looking between the two and you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of efficiency for a much easier time crushing your grain, I would point you towards a roller mill. You're going to spend about $100 compared to the $70 for a plate mill or $60, bucks, um, but it's going to be easier to control the dust. It's going to be easier to get everything into um into a bucket into your mash tun. Mm -hmm. With the plate mill, there's no hopper for the grain that is crushed. So what ends up happening is that it kind of wants to spray all over the place. With the roller mill, it goes straight down into your bucket. With the plate mill, it wants to spray off in an arc. So you either have to hook up a food grade bag or make your own hopper to fit on the front of the plate mill so that it all goes down nicely into a bucket where you can control it. Now, either can be hooked up to a drill. Most of the roller mills today have a 3-8 spindle on them. So that means if you have a standard drill, all you need to do is open up the chuck, put it onto the mill, and you're good to go. That's it. You're done. 
in a home drill, you know, anything over 12 volts is going to have at least 1,700 revolutions per minute uh, and a fair amount of torque, and it's going to crush the grain for you just fine. And the only reason we don't use one at a shop because it would be quieter, it would be easier, is because we'd have to stand there and hold it, and we wouldn't really trust it if it did catch like a piece of rock or something like that. Yes, when we crush whole sacks of grain, we just crush some rocks with it too. Um, if you have a roller mill at home, that's going to jam it up. So with either mill, you can motorize it. Now when you go to motorize a plate mill, you either have to pull out the set screw that's in there and then put in either a threaded rod with a lock nut or a bolt and just hook up to it with an impact driver, um, but make sure you put on a lock nut still. The reason you do this is the bolt head that you're going to put into there is going to want to break off at the head. And if you put the head all the way into the drive of the plate mill, when you break the bolt, you've left all the threads inside and popped off the head because you've torqued it into there. So yes, you can simply hook up a drill to a plate mill as well, or if you have an older roller mill, you've picked one up used, and it has that quarter inch thread in it, you can still hook up to it, make sure you get yourself a lock nut. That way, when you break the head off there, it's not a big deal. You go get a fresh bolt. You still have something that you can pull that thread out with. Otherwise, you're going to have to try to tap it out. We can't get that many replacement parts that quick. And so sometimes, you know, you're left with a obsolete mill. Hmm. So make sure you put that lock nut on there. It will save you the whole mill, potentially. We've got about two minutes left. Is that enough time to talk about turning a keg into a brew pot? No, I don't think so. I think we should encourage people. We'll get to that next week. We'll okay. encourage people to buy hop rhizomes. Mine are Perfect. coming in wonderfully. I've already, I have first year rhizomes. I already have some green on them. I only planted them about two weeks ago. Uh, they only took about four or five days to start popping up. Um, the ones at work, which are only two to three years old, uh, were about five, six inches. They're already beginning to climb the twine that we have, and they're already starting to look good. So they're, the, you know, the highest thing in the home garden. Already with the established plants, the new ones are coming up. Um, anybody who's looking to grow them, I would always say they're a great cosmetic. Um, they're a great climbing vine if you don't want any of the associated damage that you'd normally get with climbing vines. Um, and they'll produce a nice, big, broad leaf similar to a grapevine. But the problem is, say, if you want a grapevine to climb your trellis, you're looking at 10 to 15 years to get that thing to climb up over the trellis. Um, if you want a hop rhizome to do it and still have big, beautiful leaves. I'm not saying that you're going to be, you know, wrapping sausage and rice in these hop leaves. I wouldn't ever try that. Um, but they'll grow it in one year, and you'll have a nice cover for your trellis, a nice cover for your fence. They'll come back year after year, and they won't do damage to it. We have them only $4.99 a rhizome. And then if later on you decide to brew, you're going to know exactly – well, you're going to have to keep track. We're not going to keep track. But you have to keep track. But you will know when you leave Niagara Tradition exactly – what type of rhizome you have, what type of beers it's good for, um, so that if you decide to brew with it later on, you know you have an actual brewing variety. All right. Well, that does it for this week, just about. Again, the April 26th deadline for uh, Uniha, right around the corner, so yep. get to that. I'm brewing today. I'm good. brewing the party Not for guy. the Uniha. No, not for the union, <laughs> but I will have it ready for National Homebrew Day for our 25th anniversary. So I'm brewing a party guile, uh, barley wine, and brown porter today at the store. So if you want to see party guile brewing, come watch me mess it up. All right. Very good. 
nthomebrew.com for more information to sign up for the newsletter, to look for the uh, email about tickets as well to the morning brewing class on May the 6th. And if you really like washing bottles, you better go brew yourself. Beer, 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 beer. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.